Welcome to New Stanton Church. It's a great morning. Weren't those kids amazing getting us all fired up? We're all in that like Christmas hangover week, right? Like we're just trying to survive until the new year and then we can go back to our normal lives with less sugar and more sleep. So thank you for coming today. I'm excited to be able to wrap up 2019 with y'all and sort of walk into 2020 together. If you don't know me, my name is Emily Hill. I had been the director of children's ministry here for a little over seven years. And just in the past few months, God sort of redirected my steps and sort of led me down a path in a totally different direction. I serve as a chaplain with Redstone Highlands at their North Huntington campus and specifically with hospice services. So a bit of a detour, but God is good and he has still allowed me a place here at New Stanton Church and I still get to be surrounded by kids on this Sunday. So I'm like right at home. And I do typically teach with children or on dementia units. So if y'all want to talk back at me while we're here today, I'll really feel at home. So shout out an amen, like a you go girl, whatever feels right, okay? So you are welcome to talk to me and we'll get through this together. I will tell you, I cannot see the clock. So if you want to shout out like time's up, that works too. But, <laughs> but today we're going to be learning about being unlikely, Now, unlikely, just to give you a definition so we're all on the same page, means like far-fetched, doubtful, absurd, just something that's like really doesn't make sense, that it's it just couldn't possibly happen this way. So has anybody in here ever been or felt like you were unlikely? Anyone? Okay, for those of you who did not raise your hands, I want to let you know something. Today's message is most definitely for you because you need, you need this more than anybody, because we are all unlikely. Scripture tells us that we have all fallen short of the glory of God because we've all sinned. So we are all 100% unlikely, myself included, probably more so than anybody else in here today. I feel extremely unlikely to be standing up here today. Also extremely sweaty, but we don't need to get into that. But I feel unlikely. But I was thinking about over my life, you know, when have I felt the most unlikely? And I thought about a tap class. Now, for those of you who like to picture a story in your head while someone's telling it, go ahead and erase the eight-year-old Emily that you just imagined and replace her with a 21-year-old Emily, which looks about like this maybe less wrinkles, but so I was 21 years old and I was in college and at Seton Hill University, you have to take an artistic expression course. Now I love music. So like maybe piano classes or something would have been a a reasonable choice. A lot of my friends were art majors. So they were trying to get me to take like sketching. I was like, I'm going to live a little. I'm going to take tap class. So there I am at the dancer's closet with the eight-year-olds getting my tap shoes that tie like with the little ribbon bow. I show up on my first day of tap class and I don't know what I pictured in my head, but as I walked in and I was surrounded by dancers and football players and then this. And I have never felt so unlikely. But it was my senior year. I really didn't have any other choices. I had already spent money on tap shoes like it was a done deal. So I showed up for an hour 
twice a week for a whole semester. I learned how to tap ball change and sashay with the rest of them. I was a hot mess every single week, but I showed up and I did it. And on the last class, we had to pick a song and prepare a final routine and perform it for not just our class, but for all the dance classes that semester. So there I am with my body not built for this and coordination levels that are best kept in a seat than standing. And I stood up there and I danced my sweet little heart out. And I got a round of applause from the dancers and the football players. And I remember in that moment thinking like, ah, I made it. But I still was unlikely. But through the process and through the support of others, I had sort of transformed a little bit into a tap dancer for that moment. So today that's what we're gonna be talking about. Being unlikely, but having Christ step into our lives and bring us into a place where we can share with others. So as we talk about being unlikely, last week, Pastor Steve spoke about Jesus Christ and his genealogy and lineage that's detailed out in Matthew and how it's unique because it mentioned some women. And typically genealogy only really included the men in the game. But in Matthew, he talks about women and it's important because he also talks about some unlikely women, some women who had a past and who had made some choices that didn't necessarily line up with what we would envision like the women in Jesus lineage to have. So along those lines, I'd like to introduce you today to someone else who's a little bit unlikely. In the church world, we affectionately refer to her often as the woman at the well. And she was an unlikely woman in a lot of ways. First of all, she was a woman. She was also uneducated. She was a social outcast, which we'll get into. She was known for being immoral. She wasn't seeking Jesus in any way, shape, or form. So she just doesn't really make sense to be a main character. And she was a Samaritan, which makes her extremely unlikely to be hanging out with Jesus because he was a Jew and the Jews and the Samaritans hated each other. The Samaritans were the people who were the descendants of the, of the ones who did not die during the fall of the Northern Kingdom. And instead, they had made babies with the Babylonians and the Assyrians, so they had tainted the Jewish blood. It's like Game of Thrones type issues, all right? So they did not get along. So there's a lot of unlikely interactions going here. So to give you a little backstory, Jesus and his disciples, they had been in Judea. Things were getting hot with the Pharisees. So they decided to head out to Galilee. And on the way, they went through this area called Samaria. And there was a well. It was hot. They were tired. Scripture tells us it was the middle of the day. So it was really hot. So the disciples sort of leave Jesus at the well they head into town to go find some food. So at that point is when the Samaritan woman shows up. But she's not traveling like Jesus. She's here for a totally different reason. She should have been at the well in the morning with the other women, sort of gabbing and gossiping and, you know, hanging out at the well. But instead, she was sneaking out to a well outside of town in the hot sun in the middle of the day hoping to avoid people. Now, a lot of times we read that and we think like, she's crazy. Who does stuff like that? But let's be honest. We've all avoided people from one time to another. We've all looked a little bit like, like this little baby. 
Oh. <laughs> Just one more time. <laughs> oh. Right? We've all looked like that. Whether you're at Walmart and you see that coworker that you don't like even when you're at work, so you're definitely not going to talk to them on your day off. You're like, nope. Or when you pull into the gas station and you see your kid's par- like parent and you're like, oh no, I'd rather go to Sheets and not deal with them here, get go. Or we always find a reason to avoid people. Whether we don't want them to know something about us, like maybe we don't want them to know that we wear our pajamas at two o'clock on a Saturday when we go to Walmart. Or maybe we know that they know something about us and it makes us uncomfortable. So we just like, it's better to just not cross paths with them. Maybe we just don't like people a whole lot. But for whatever reason, there are all times in all of our lives when we've avoided people. So that is what this woman is doing. She's like, you know what? I would rather go bake in the sun than deal with the women at the well. And so this is where she is, and this is where her and Jesus cross paths. So let's go ahead and get into the scripture. In John chapter 4, verse 7, We see that soon a Samaritan woman came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, please give me a drink. He was alone at the time because his disciples had gone into the village to buy some food. The woman was surprised, for Jews refused to have anything to do with Samaritans. She said to Jesus, you are a Jew, and I'm a Samaritan woman. Why are you asking me for a drink? So Jesus replied, if you only knew the gift God has for you and who you are speaking to, you would ask me and I would give you living water. So remember, this woman is unlikely. This whole situation is extremely unlikely. And yet here we are. So Jesus is asking her for a drink. He's legitimately thirsty. He's been traveling. It's hot. He's tired. This woman shows up. She has the things that are needed to get water from the well. He's like, all right, can I have a drink? But quickly, he realizes that there's something else going on here. And he starts to actually offer her something. And there in verse 10, it says, for if you only knew the gift of God, if you only knew. How many times have we said or thought that phrase? Like, if you only new. Like if you're a parent and you show up and you work with a bunch of people who aren't parents and you're walking in the door at 9 a.m., you're like, if you only knew what it took me to get here today. Like if you only knew I've lived a whole life and it's only 9 a.m. Or when you're waiting in the cashier's line and you hear somebody complaining about something that's really silly and you're like, if you only knew what I'm dealing with right? When we say, if you only knew, it's all that like dirty, dark stuff that like, we don't want people to know, but like, we kind of want them to know so that they would get it, right? And we're like thinking, if you only knew that my kids don't talk to me, if you only knew what my marriage actually looks like behind closed doors, if you only knew I had a miscarriage this year, if you only knew that when I go home after work, I don't have anybody to talk to, if you only knew, you'd get it but we don't tell people that stuff, right? Because we don't really want them to know. But when Jesus is saying, if you only knew the gift of God, he's not talking about that dark and dirty stuff. He's talking about the light that he's shining on all of that stuff. He's saying, if you only knew how much I loved you, 
If you only knew what I was on this earth to do for you. If you only knew that you were created for so much more. If you only knew that your life could be different. He was telling her there is so much more that you need to know. So let's jump back into their conversation. And she says, but sir, you don't have a rope or a bucket. And this well is very deep. Where would you get this living water? And besides, do you think that you're greater than our ancestor Jacob who gave us this well? How can you offer better water than he and his sons and his animals enjoyed? Jesus replied, anyone who drinks this water will soon become thirsty again, but those who drink the water I give will never be thirsty again. It becomes a fresh bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. Please, sir, the woman said, give me this water, then I'll never be thirsty again and I won't have to come here to get water. So they're talking about that legitimate thirst at first actually being thirsty and needing a drink of water, but it's shifting into something completely different. Now, if you hang out with teenagers, you know that they use the word thirsty in a little bit of a different way these days. And I'm not nearly cool enough to like say it the way they do, but I'm gonna do it anyway. So they'll be talking to each other and they'll be like, oh, she's thirsty. And you know what that means? It means that somebody has a really strong desire or need for something. Okay, that can't be fulfilled with just water. It requires something else that they're looking for. But typically when we talk, or teenagers, not we, teenagers talk about being thirsty, they're talking about something that could be fulfilled with a person or a thing or a place. But Christ is talking about an even different kind of thirsty, a type of thirsty that can only be fulfilled with the living water. And that's a water that only he can provide. So she's saying, sir, give me this water. I don't wanna come here anymore. I want life to be different. I don't wanna have to hide and go out in the hot sun to get my water. I don't wanna do this anymore. But she's still only thinking of it on a surface level. She's not really getting it yet. So Jesus is like, all right. Let's go deeper. So when they start talking again, Jesus says to her, go and get your husband. I don't have a husband, the woman replied. Jesus said, you're right, you don't have a husband for you have had five husbands and you aren't even married to the man that you're living with now. You certainly spoke the truth. Now, our temptation is to read that with a human voice is to read that with our voice, right? Like if we knew this woman, which we all know somebody who has something going on, and when we read it, we wanna put our voice in there. Maybe not the voice we would use talking to that person, but maybe the voice we would use talking about them, right? Like, you know, she's had five husbands and she's living with somebody ain't even her husband, no. And that's how we wanna think Jesus is saying it. Mm Mm-mm. I mean, Jesus is a human, don't get me wrong. He was tired, he was thirsty, he came to this earth as a man, but he was still God and he was filled with the Holy Spirit. So let's not get him twisted up in our human thoughts and emotions. When Jesus was speaking to this woman, it was not in a condescending manner, calling her out on her business so she knows what's up, because trust me, she knew that she had five ex-husbands and one a home that wasn't her own. He was talking to her though, to let her know, I 
see you. I know. I know what's going on. And I'm shining my light on that darkness, on that if you only knew. He is saying, I know. When Jesus stands face to face with us, he will reveal the deepest, darkest, dirtiest things that we have tried so hard to hide. It's like when you play hide and go seek with a kid and they're standing right in front of you with their hands over their eyes and they think that because they can't see you that you can't see them, right? We do that all the time. We think, well, if we hide it, then nobody can see it, right? But Jesus can see through any of our best defenses. But the great thing about our Savior is that when he shines light onto the darkness, it's not just so that we know about it, because we already know. It's to tell us that he can transform us, that he can take whatever that is, shine his light on it, and make it different. That he doesn't want us to just live in that, because without his light, all we do is continue to live in our own darkness. He wants us to transform And it ain't easy. If it was easy, everybody would do it, right? We would all, like that, be different and perfect and wonderful. But it's not easy. That's why it requires face-to-face with Christ. Because he is the one that can touch and heal and refresh and transform the deepest parts of ourselves for anyone who wants to hear and receive So after Jesus sort of calls her out on her business, they continue talking. And in verse 19, she says, sir, you must be a prophet. So tell me, why is it that you Jews insist that Jerusalem is the only place of worship? While we Samaritans claim it is here at Mount Gerizim where our ancestors worshiped. Jesus replied, believe me, dear woman, the time is coming when it will no longer matter whether you worship the father on this mountain or in Jerusalem. You Samaritans know very little about the one you worship, while we Jews know all about him. For salvation comes through the Jews. But the time is coming, indeed it's here now, when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. The Father is looking for those who will worship him that way. For God is spirit, so those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. The woman said, I know the Messiah is coming, the one who is called Christ. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. And Jesus told her, I am the Messiah. So she's had this moment where she realizes like this man is different. He sees me, but he sees me differently. So she's trying to figure it out and put the pieces together. Like Pastor Bobby and Ty had talked about, she didn't have that childlike faith where when you're told something, you just believe it. You believe it to be true. She was like, well, wait a second. I've been taught certain things. So how does this fit with that? And I know, I know the Messiah is coming and like he'll explain it all. So like, don't worry about it. But Jesus is telling her, oh, honey, it's me. I'm here. So when he went from saying, if you only knew, he's now telling her, I am. I am the answer 
to that. And she's standing there in front of him, trying to figure all of this out and understand where to go from here. And the disciples sort of bust in and break up the party. And in verse 27, when they came back, they were shocked to find him talking to a woman, but none of them had the nerve to ask, what do you want with her? Or why are you talking to her? The woman left her water jar beside the well and ran back to the village telling everyone, Come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could he possibly be the Messiah? So the people came streaming from the village to see him. So she left her jug and went to tell everyone. She might not have a fully developed Christian theology. She didn't have all of her questions answered. She didn't know all of the specifics. But what she knew was that she had experienced a man who had changed her. That there was something different. And she went into the town that she had previously been avoiding. To her own detriment, she had avoided these people as much as she could. And now she's running back into town and proclaiming, he knows everything about me. And they're like, yeah, girl, we do too. So why is this any different? And she's like, because I'm different. And she was different because she saw herself through Christ. When we join this Christian life and we start walking with Christ, we sort of go through two revelations. The first one is when we understand God. When we meet Christ and we're like, this man is different. And when she did that at the well, when she met Christ face to face and she knew that there was something different and he said to her, I am the Messiah she understood that something had changed. And the second revelation comes when we see ourselves through Christ. And when she saw herself through Christ, she saw herself differently. She saw all those things that she had previously known about herself differently. Because when we see ourselves without Christ, we see ourselves in darkness. We see all of our faults. We make choices to hide. We live in shame. When we start to see ourselves in Christ, he transforms us, he sheds light onto the darkness, and he creates a way where there seems to be none. He shows us that there is no reason to hide when we are promised living water through him. So this woman at the well went from shame to wanting to proclaim like that. Because she met a man who was different and who showed her that she was different through him. We never really see ourselves until we see ourselves through Christ. And the way that this woman shared Christ boldly changed more than just her own life. It changed the lives of those around her. So in verse 39, we find out that many Samaritans from the village believed in Jesus because the woman had said, he told me everything I ever did. When they came out to see him, they begged him to stay in their village. So he stayed for two days, long enough for many more to hear his message and believe. She was bold enough to put it all out there, to go back where people knew everything about her and to tell them something has changed and you need to meet this man. Now, some of us who have been around the church world for a while, that spontaneous, exciting energy can sort of go away, right? We think that once we become Christians, that's it. We're perfect now. We're fixed. 
But it's not that easy. Because remember from the beginning, we have all sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And even as a seasoned professional in the Christian world, you need to stand face to face with Christ. It needs to be a regular practice in your life because Christ will reveal to you in those moments what he sees and what he wants to transform. And if you haven't had anything revealed to you lately, then I'm gonna challenge you that you haven't stood face to face with Christ lately and that you need to get in touch with him and find him because he is seeking you. And whatever that well is, he wants to meet you there. But it's not just our testimony. It's bringing people back to Jesus and to his word. So to do that, we need to know where to find him. So when we seek him face to face, then that's where we bring people back to. Now, I know that not everyone has a dramatic story of transformation like the woman at the well. I know there's some people in here who are like, well, I ain't never had no five husbands and I don't got a boyfriend at home. Like, I'm good. Not for me today. But let me tell you, we all have transformation to take place. And there are a lot of times that Jesus will seek us in just our normal life. It doesn't always have to be a dramatic event. Sometimes he will find us exactly where we are in our normal life. In this time of year, I can't help but think of the shepherds. So the shepherds, they were out in the fields at night, tending to their sheep, just living their normal lives, right? And all of a sudden, a physical light came into the darkness. And the angels told them, the Savior has been born today, and you will recognize him as a baby. They're saying, if you only knew what has just been born, if you only knew the promises that he is going to hold in this world, if you only knew the changes that he was going to bring, if you only knew you would pack up these sheep and you would head in there and find that baby. And that is exactly what they did. The shepherds went and they found this baby. And in Luke 2, 20, after they had met him, the sheep herders return and let loose, glorifying and praising God for everything they had heard and seen. It turned out exactly the way they had been told. They let loose. When have you met Jesus Christ and then turned around and let loose, glorifying and praising him? A decade, a decade is ending in two days, all right? It is time to lay down some water jugs and let loose, right? Whether you are a shepherd, whether you're a Samaritan, or whether you're some other kind of unlikely person, I'm gonna challenge you today to leave your water jug behind, to leave your water jug in this place. The Samaritan woman needed that water jug for her earthly needs. But once she had realized that life was about so much more than that, once she knew, once she had met the Messiah, she left that water jug to the side and went out to proclaim. She didn't need it anymore. 
A thirst was filled that she had never imagined. So what water jug are you leaving behind? Our water jugs all look different. Some of them are people. Some of them are places. Some of them are jobs. Some of them are addictions. Some of them are thought patterns. But we all got a water jug that needs to stay in 2019. It doesn't need to be carried into 2020. God is telling you, if you only knew the promises I had for you, you would lay that down and leave it here. Because we all have something. My water jug for 2019 is a lot like the Samaritan woman's. I care way too much about what people think about me, way too much. So that's the water jug that I'm laying down in here today. I'm gonna start seeing myself the way that Christ sees me, because his eyesight is way better than mine. But we all have something that needs left here. And if you're in the place where you're just not sure, where you've just walked up to that well, and you still hear Jesus saying like, if you only knew, and you're like, but I don't, I don't know. I don't know yet. And he's saying, if you only knew, I wanna tell you that he is standing in this place today, that he wants to stand face to face with you. He wants to be the light to your darkness. He wants to show you everything that he sees about you and the promises that he has for you and that there are better things to come than you could ever imagine. So if you need to meet him, do not walk out of this building today without it because he is seeking you. He is ready to transform you and he is ready to send you out today. Just like the Samaritan woman, it doesn't take time. It can take a quick conversation when it's with the right person. And he can send you out to proclaim the good news today because we are broken and dirty without him. But we are promised to be made whole and clean with him. So today as we lay down our water jugs and we let loose a little bit in here, we're gonna be singing a song about how Christ is a way maker how he's a miracle worker, how he's a promise keeper, and how he's a light in the darkness. I'm gonna invite you to stand, and we're gonna proclaim that to our Savior today. I worship you.